As soon as I, everyone knows me uh, from Darlene, Timor, and Kinoli, what have you, Valley Connell. <laughs> Kieran McGinley as a player was a phenomenal player, and he didn't cry and he didn't whinge, you know. Jim knows where he am if he wants to chat to me, like. Probably that's what we've read about anyway, and that's what we've been told, and uh, we'll probably not hear it again the next time we get bit, you know. The Ulster Championship excites the crowd. There isn't another province that's as competitive as that. And if truth be told, I mean, what what is the point of this? We might have 20,000, 30,000 down fans and it's going to be great, it's going to be brilliant, it's going to be better than, that, than anything I've ever experienced. And then of course if you're a county player going after the club match, <laughs> some boy <laughs> got to give you the hatchet. <laughs> this group of players means so much to me, I couldn't hold me the light after the game. Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the first ever edition of We Are Ulster GA podcast. Bringing you the insights and the views from around the province each week with some of the leading minds in our games. I'm Damien Donoghue and unfortunately this week we could get no leading minds so we've got Declan Bogue from the Belfast Telegraph and Paul Fitzpatrick from the Anglo-Celt. Thanks lads for joining us here on the podcast. No problem Damien. A pleasure to be insulted by you Damien. As always, never any change. On the show each week we're going to be looking over how the teams in the province of Ulster are getting on in the GEA um, and we're also going to be bringing you a weekly segment called Good, the Bad and the Ugly. You will uh, hear the, the funnier sides of the GEA stories on that event. But we're going to start off looking at, I suppose, Division 1 in the National Football League. Of course, Round 7 finished up at the weekend there, Declan. And the top team in Ulster is Donegal. They finished toward in the table. I suppose a lot of people would have expected maybe Donegal to take a spiral downwards but these young players have shown that there's there's an awful amount of quality up in up in Tyrconnell. Oh they're they're not lacking for they're not lacking for talent, they're not lacking for organisation and they're certainly not lacking for any kind of uh, investment in behind all that. Donegal have really since you you know Counties can come out of nowhere, sort of winning all Ireland, and it's what they do after it. Like, is their their legacy to leave behind? And I just sometimes think of like of Armagh that won all Ireland in two thousand two and remained competitive up to maybe two thousand and seven when they fell away badly that year. And barring an Ulster title in in a way, they haven't really done anything. They didn't even really, you know, have a ground to play on for a long time too. Like the Athletic Ground was a long time in the redevelopment as well. And even during those glory years, like their home games was more or less clonus. Uh, Tyrone have a bit of a legacy from all their glory years and that possibly keeps them competitive. Donegal's legacy, um, the where they have a training ground in the mix, like it's 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 ongoing. But in terms of actually, you know, that they were lucky in that they were able to bring back Rory Gallagher back into management after he had uh, parted ways with Jim McGuinness. And he was able to keep a continuity with players, with the training. He knew what the players were comfortable with. But he also knew uh, a great deal about the underage structures in the county. He had worked himself with it with, with in Killy Beggs and with Kilcar. He knew everything there wasn't a ball being kicked in Donegal that he didn't know about and he also has the ear and the the, the, the exceedingly deep pockets it would seem of some of the benefactors and they're also pulling their weight in fairness because they're going away to this new to New York for a fundraising and training camp uh, ahead of the championship so I, it's all looking very positive for Donegal um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they're just like when, the, when they're going to really hot in the middle of summer yeah, I suppose the it, it, Paul looking from the outside, Donegal 
it, it's a change in style almost because they were a big physical strong team with lots of big men around the middle tour that, that could dominate possession you know especially when, when they got you into the area that they wanted to turn you over with that team of Jim McGuinness's in 2012 but now it's it's full of speed it's full of flair it's, it's a different style of football out in Donegal yeah well it's a sign of a bad manager when they they impose a style of play on a team that that doesn't suit the players you must pick a style of play that suits the players at your disposal you don't you don't pick players to suit a style of play and I think Gallagher has done that he's cut his cloth to suit you know they don't have Neil Gallagher this year they're, they are, they're missing a couple of, of fellas who they would have built their team around back in say 2012 and he's, he's cutting his cloth to suit I bumped into PJ McGowan who was the chairman back in 2012 and is still involved at county board level in Donegal earlier on this year and I said to him you know I was buying into what I, what I was reading everywhere I hadn't seen Donegal play and I said to him are Donegal going to struggle this year and he says no no he said I can't understand this he says I think we're going to have a strong team this year so reports of Donegal's demise have been greatly exaggerated anyone who, who saw these young Donegal players that were, that were coming up in the last couple of years would have to say that, that um, they're coming through versed in the house style ready to step right in and there's something in the football culture in Donegal that allows them to bring through these ready-made senior footballers. You know, we saw it with McBrearty, we saw it with Murphy. There, other teams can bring through 18, 19-year-olds, but these can bring through fellas who are, at 18, they're, they're like grown men. And they've brought through four, five, six of under-21s this year into that senior team. The likes of Owen Ball and Gallagher, uh, Jamie Brennan, uh, Young Langan, um, O'Boyle. You know, solid players that are coming straight into the under-21s or from seniors. the under-21 straight into the seniors mm-hmm. and they don't look out of place if anything they look like they look like they've been there for years so I think reports of Donegal's demise have been greatly exaggerated one thing about them and I have to commend them as a cabin follower all the talk last week was that Donegal won't be that bothered because there was a National League semi-final a few years ago where against Cork where they basically didn't bother with it that much they went man for man and they were they were beaten out the gate that day and uh people were, were saying oh, look Donegal are safe their focus will be on the, will be on the championship and they won't bother down at Casabar but I, I, I'm not just saying this in hindsight but I did have the feeling that you know, they would have loved the crack of the dubs in Crow Park what better development for a young a young team than that and plus they're a young team but they also have um, they also have a core of experience like Neil McGee Frank Midlin Michael Murphy you know, don't forget you know, these are class footballers who have been there and done it so there is a nice blend and I, th- I think I saw a stat last year as well before the Ulster final that they were, their average age in the Ulster final was something like 20, 25.1 months. 25 years and one month, I think, was their average age. And Dunne- or in Tyrone were something like 25 years and three months. Some, something that De- Declan might know better. But, you know, the Donegal are going to be right there this year. Yeah, I, I suppose, Declan, you'd have to agree with that. Come, come the Ulster Championship in a few weeks' time, Donegal are going to be the team to watch. Like, that's an interesting start from Paul and Furness about the ages but like you know it, it's Clonus on a hot day is built for a young man there's no doubt about it like you know mm-hmm. uh, you don't see too many 33 or 30 you know I mean even Mark O'Rourke would have been very careful as to pick and choose what games that Paul Finley and Dick Clerken might have started in the last number of years you know when they were challenging Um I don't really think that there was anyone of that age. Rory Kavanagh came back for a year. It just didn't really work. He wasn't the same player as he had been. Uh, they have to keep it young. They have to keep uh, they have to keep a progression going, and they have to keep. And I think that probably the average age of inter county footballers dropping out anyway is 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 getting lower. It has to be. Uh, it would only stand to reason. Like there's there's only very few people that can keep going to their mid thirties. 
but definitely that that's one of the more interesting statistics I've heard now, and it will count on the hard days and the, and the days where the sun's beating down on you I thought you were talking about the press box in Clonus for a minute there Dacto, when you said it's a place for young men <laughs> there's all sorts of uh, human pawn life including <laughs> ourselves in the Clonus press box <laughs> there definitely is speaking of press boxes we, later on we'll have a, a wee snippet of, of how difficult the press boxes can be but that's in the good the bad and the ugly ok so delighted to be joined on the line by uh, Brendan Deveni former Donegal footballer after I suppose, Brendan, it's, uh, would, would, would it be considered in Donegal a successful league campaign? Yeah, uh, certainly. You know, when, when you consider the fact that um, it was to be a shootout uh, between uh, ourselves, Ross Common and uh, Kevin for who was going to go down, suddenly Donegal were in the last day of the season and it was a shootout for the top, you know. So, it certainly, I suppose, if you take it from that regard, Donegal almost qualified for uh, a league final. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, particularly with the start we made, not playing the kind of cup and looked like we were going to be annihilated by Kerry. But ever since we've been 10 points down to Kerry, we've played some really energetic enterprise in football, you know, breaking the pace and scores all over the pitch. So heading into Ulster now, I would say of all the counties in Ulster, I suppose there's been, what, four, three or four relegations there and thrown certainly out of sorts. Monaghan don't look bad, but I think Donegal are, are probably... The best place probably for me to be uh, favourites for Ulster. Yeah, well, they're, they're the highest ranked Ulster team in all four divisions, obviously. And, and I make it that, well, it's the first time that I can remember that no Ulster team has made a, a league final either, which is a bit of a disappointment. But the, you, you hit on it there. With all the relig or all the retirements that we were hearing coming out from Donegal, it was all doom and gloom that, well, Donegal's going to have to rebuild and it's going to take a long time. But the young crop of players that Rory Gallagher has brought in have stepped seamlessly into senior football and maybe even advanced it. Definitely advanced it. And I think what you're looking at is that if you've the defensive shape, you know, if you give me 15 county players and put them inside the 45 and defensive shape, they're going to be hard to break down. And that's number one. So it's it's when you break up the pitch, what have you got? And Donegal have unearthed their, you know, have trained three from underage and, and got their bit of experience there now in the seniors. They've unearthed some serious talent. And, you know, guys have suddenly, I know Kieran Thompson would have played last year if we picked up an injury, but you know, the likes of Owen Band coming in, Keenan Ward, you know, even the last day, um, uh, we lad from uh, Keane Mulligan had three points mm-hmm. from play. Um, there's been some, there's, been some brilliant performance. I mean, the team McHugh's have been flying, um, Marty O'Reilly. So all these really kind of nifty, nifty players have been coming and as you say, they've advanced it. Then. And the only thing I've seen with um, the last day was obviously the physical stakes were raised by Mayo then, and um, we couldn't handle that challenge. Now, that's not to say Mayo have done that to us before with what you call a more experienced and more physically strong team. So I think it was more learning how to cope with different challenges and you know, it's it's certainly I think they'll take um, a good lesson from the defeat down in Castle Byer last year. Yeah, the the two defeats coming at the hands of Kerry and Mayo, but I suppose the two two very big results bar the wins where the draw against Dublin had to build massive confidence, and then with Monaghan, yeah, there's an ongoing rivalry there that that between Monaghan and and Donegal, you'd have to say over the last five years they're, they're the best teams in Ulster, so they they were two big results to draws. Two massive results, and I think what you've seen today, the carry result, 
very West Common, very scrappy game, could have went everywhere. Donegal, even at that stage, didn't look great now. But as you say, the Dublin game was the launch pad because all these young lads uh, were in awe. Dublin sat very deep and very negative against Dublin because, you know, there was a certain fear factor there. And that's only, um, you know, no understandable looking at the, the talent that Dublin had. But once Donegal realised that there was nothing that special about Dublin, they weren't that far ahead of them. Particularly at home, the crowd got behind him, and it was that game that really was the launch pad for Donegal because he seen some brilliant football up in Breffney then from, from Donegal. The cabin couldn't handle him at times, and the same weeks were on the following game. And they bossed the game against Monaghan, too, giving away a late penalty. They should have been five or six up easily. So those games, I suppose, going into Austro gave Donegal great encouragement. I say, going down that last day, it was a different kind of challenge to face with, with a Mayo team, I suppose, fighting for their lives, and they pulled out the stops in the end. So, in terms of um, Ulster, I, I think uh, Donegal's in a good place. Yeah, look, looking at uh, the, the panel itself, there seems to be a massive amount of under-21s involved with the senior panel, training with the seniors. I heard reports of 14, 15, 16 players overlapping on the two panels. H- how's that working as they prepare for the under-21 semi-finals? It's, it's definitely, um, I suppose, a cause of concern for Declan Boner because... Um, I mean, Rory would be, you know, quite single-minded about his approach to Donegal, and you know that's his team, and he, uh, he's obviously the man that that is in the position of power there. You know, Declan's job, you know, is obviously to try and get his Donegal team like into the Ulster final, and uh, try and win that title and take it from there. But you know, Rory's looking at the the picture of the seniors uh, going on the rest of the season, so it's been. With so many players involved, it's definitely very difficult. And it's been difficult for the lads involved themselves, playing games there on a, on a Sunday and a Wednesday. They obviously, the replay with their own. And it's just left there a bit of a clogged fixture list, which is maybe why um, leaving the league final out this week is probably worked, I think, well for Donegal. I don't think that game would have been something that um, they needed between the seniors or on the trials. Yeah, possibly so. Uh, you also have the the big trip coming up to New York. I think they're they're heading out next uh, next Tuesday or Wednesday. So there'll be there'll be maybe one eye on that as well. And and uh, all teams now looking they go at training camps, but it seems a little bit early for an intense training camp. Maybe this is a bit of time to let off some steam. Yeah, well, I think you know Donegal looks very well prepared, very fit uh, in the league there. You know, a lot of energy. So I think fitness ways training camp maybe isn't what's needed at this stage because I think they're probably well up to speed and, uh, you know, there's a serious bit of coaching going on there and, and, and ball retention and obviously, you know, a lot of lot of tactical uh, work being done with Donegal already. So I think this is maybe, as you say, maybe a bit of chance to we bit of reward for what the lads have already done and, you know, we bit of a, a cash builder because as we're seeing, Jim uh, is taking a lot of money to run football teams at the minute, and uh, any bit of promotion out in New York City is uh, is uh, will be much helpful to the all coppers. Yeah, it will be. It's o- it's always a great place to to go because the diaspora is always very uh, very forthcoming when when money is needed to help run these intercounty teams. As long as, long as, as, long as Trump lets them all in, that's that's Well, that's it. I'm sure you got you got paid in on the first class flight over, and and you're staying in Trump Towers. <laughs> I wish I did, and I'm actually out there to stag in the Swansea, so luckily for Donegal, hey, uh, fucking us, uh, uh, yeah, who isn't out there when them boys land? Cause, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could be a bad influence, Brendan. Yeah, we, we could drag a few of the a few boys away off on, on the station, hey, so probably we're, we're, we're just missing the lads and no more, but certainly a uh, brilliant city, as you say, 
they used to let us go out and play. Remember the weekend sanction, yeah. which used to be brilliant out there. And I know obviously New York, it seems everywhere else is not maybe just uh, buzzing the way it was in those years. But yeah, yeah, it's always good for the for for the Irish are living out there. They have uh, some of their own out around them. Yeah, it definitely is. Brendan, thanks a million for your contributions. Appreciate it. Find out. Okay, so moving on, I suppose, to the other teams, the other Ulster teams in Division 1. Monaghan, on uh, Sunday afternoon, they really ran the dubs to the pin or collar, but Dublin showed the quality in the end, I think running off a goal and a point in, in the last few minutes just to get their noses in front. But, Paul, this Monaghan team under Malik O'Rourke, it's gone from strength to strength, from Division 3 to Division 1, holding their own in Division 1, winning two National League titles, both Division 3 and Division 2 on the way up, and then two Ulster titles. It's, it's a phenomenal uh, I suppose managerial spell by Maliki O'Rourke it's, it is it's phenomenal he definitely has to be ranked up there with the best managers in, in the country in, in, in the very elite ok he hasn't won in All-Ireland but he hasn't been, o- been over a team that's in, in the very top of the betting for an All-Ireland and I've no doubt that if he was he would have because he's achieved success everywhere he's gone the, the great quality this Monaghan team have I think is perseverance they've stuck with it and that's so important and you see it in every sport it's the person or the team who lasts the course who get who get rewarded with, with success it's it's easy I, I did an interview with Katrina McKernan former world um, cross country silver medalist four time silver medalist I, I interviewed her there last Saturday evening and she made the point that you have to stick with it and it Anyone can achieve, you know, if you really want it badly, badly enough, and you stick with it. And she doesn't coach um, kids; she she coaches forty-somethings, you know, recreational runners who are trying to lose a bit of weight, get fit, or whatever. But she won't coach kids, and she says she finds it too frustrating because she says unless they have that inner drive, you'll say something to them and you'll you'll advise them and you'll inspire them, but it'll last a while and it'll go away. Mm-hmm. But Monaghan have persevered and persevered. Fellas haven't quit; they have put football force. It doesn't matter about careers; it doesn't matter about education, travel marriage, whatever it is, football comes first and they've managed, that's how they've managed to work the article with a small playing population to, to, to mind the success they have out of it. It's phenomenal and do you know the scary thing for, from a Cavan perspective is Monaghan are better than they were. Yeah, I suppose it is. Declan, is it too simplistic to say that the third and the fourth team in Division 1, Donegal and Monaghan, you're looking at your Ulster final? Yeah, um, the you're you're completely right enough to own there of course like you know coming into that possible semi-final um i i, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that uh, it's definitely going to come the winners of the province is definitely going to come from those three counties that, that competed in division one and they're just as likely in any given day to take each other and it's like the the slap neil all-ireland club final like you know we talked about talked about uh, with a number of different people and asked them what different type of permutation what it would take for Stantonil to win or Stantonil to lose and in the end Brian McIver just said simply you know what it's going to take a measure of misfortune or some event of misfortune for Stantonil to lose it and that's exactly what happened oh, when Paul Cassie yeah. setting off and I mean you, those kind of clashes between Donegal to Rome Monaghan they hinge on fate or not fate but just you know things that happen that don't happen out of the ordinary like you know for example like last year when Sean Calvin and Peter Hart and Kieran McGeary kicked those late scores in that big drive. I mean, you know, you could try those kind of scores, which is absolutely phenomenal, top drawer. To get three of them in a row is a very rare thing indeed. If they hadn't have, then everyone would have been still talking about how Tyrone have learned nothing from playing Donegal since 2011. So, uh, 
I wouldn't be going in, in early April and saying who is the Ulster Championship until at least got a chance to see them uh, play their first round games. It's interesting you, sh- you say that about Tyrone, Declan, because this won't win, win me any friends in Tyrone, but I, I, I'm not saying Tyrone are overrated, but I'm saying that I, I can't see just what they have done to be rated by so many pundits and commentators as the one team likely to trouble Dublin, as we heard. They, they were parachuted up to Tor- Tor- I'm not quite sure, Paul. You know, but who 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 was the people who were you know I I don't really see it um, being a widespread thing that people were saying that Throne were equipped to bring down the Dubs. I only seen one pun in particular, uh, and a few people maybe jumping onto his bandwagon. But I, I don't really think it was a widespread. I've heard it. I I have heard it from some from some good judges I spoke to. I've heard people saying it, and the, you know the odds reflected it. I think they went up to Tord in the in the betting for the All Ireland. But I think that the game that sort of where we saw a rebirth of, of Tyrone as All-Ireland contenders in the eyes of the public or a lot of people was probably that All-Ireland semi-final two years ago against Kerry which I think th- there's been an awful lot of revisionism about that game like if you look at Tyrone's run to that to that All-Ireland semi-final it was a dream run I think the year before they had lost to Monaghan in, in Ulster they beat Loud in a qualifier and I think they lost to Armagh in a qualifier so that was 2014 a bad year 2015 they lost they lost to Donegal and the run they got then was Limerick, Mead Tipperary and Sligo to get back to Crow Park where they played Monaghan a team they always have had an Indian sign over ok Monaghan are a good team they, they beat Monaghan that day and it was it was an awful arm wrestle of a game they went in against Kerry and my memory of that game is that Kerry were, were pretty much in control I think they won it by 5 points and they end up Tyrone got a late penalty was it 20 points to two five to two nine something like that so it was 20 scores against 11 but suddenly Tyrone were, were boosted and th- th- I think the mentality of Tyrone is that they feed off that kind of momentum who, who did they beat last year um to be talked about as all Ireland contenders this year. They, they, okay, they beat Derry. No big shakes there. Um, no disrespect to Derry. They drew with Cavan and then beat Cavan well in the replay. As you said, there was a lot of luck involved. Toss of a coin in that Ulster final, and they went in and lost lost to Mayo. So they were they were after coming through Division Two last year as well. So I'd love to know what's Tyrone's biggest scalp in the last three years. Maybe Monaghan two years ago. I still think that the jury is out on Tyrone. They've got an absolutely brilliant manager who can reinvent them, but I think the jury is out. You know, if you're talking about all Ireland contenders, I don't see it. Would you agree, Declan? Yeah, 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 no, that's okay. I do, I do take your point, and I think in the last oh forty, God, there was a status scene there earlier, and uh, if I were a better statistician, I'd take a note of it. Like, but the last time they have played the contenders, like the Mayo's and the Donegal's and and Dublin's, like they just their return of of wins in the last fourteen games, I think was it's just atrocious like you know they show from time to time though what they're capable of I mean that one over Donegal was was probably the biggest one they've had in years uh, they showed with getting a draw out of Dublin in the second round of the league this you know they can they are dangerous so you didn't you, you needn't take your eye off them yeah have they actually taken a, a huge gap like you know I mean should Mayo even be considered a, a big scalp Tyrone's problem and it, it's it's nothing new. We're not um, we're not revealing any secrets here. But they're they're just too inclined to play the handbrake off. I mean, they just uh, they're doing it for a certain reason. And that is because they don't have good forwards. They don't they cannot let the ball in early because the forwards can't get to the ball first and hold it up. I mean, last year's All Ireland Court final wasn't lost for any other reason other than they had no point of reference in the forward line. They kicked the ball in three times to Ronan O'Neill, and he was beaten for pace every single time by Brendan Harrison. And uh, they realised, but if we're not going to be able to uh, 
kick the ball in and then get numbers up the sport we're going to have to run at them and that's when their whole game plan came down because they were too cautious running and they weren't even running with any kind of sense of adventure or trying to go through the middle they were just trying to win freeze I mean they, from about 20 minutes on it was clear that they were just trying to win freeze but well, we, we have to make the point here Declan that we are talking about the Ulster champions and in any other era an Ulster title is an Ulster title I know it's been devalued a little bit by the by the All-Ireland qualifiers but we have to make the point that, that we're holding Tyrone to the highest possible standard here, which is to win an All-Ireland or contend for an All-Ireland. And they probably are the only county in Ulster that have been held to that standard. If Cavan or, or Derry or Fermanagh or Armagh or even Donegal were to get back and win an Ulster title and maybe get to an All-Ireland semi-final, it'd be a hell of a year. We're, we're sort of rubbishing Tyrone's achievements a little bit. So we have to say that I think we're holding them to an extremely high standard, but that's the standard that Tyrone set themselves. I think they are the brand leaders in Ulster. Yeah, and that's the way. That's what they want to be judged on as well. Like too, you know. I mean, they they would see themselves as being pushing for an All Ireland. And why wouldn't they? I mean, they've got a manager who won three of them in his first five years as management. So I mean, uh, they'll, they wouldn't have any issue with that. Like you know, it's just they just needed to show more. And I felt that you know they were put on a pedestal last year, winning games in Division Two, beating the likes of Meath. Like you know, and uh, really, what was what was that all for? Who who came up with this theory that they were the All Ireland, you know, the, the the team to take out the Dubs, which was a popular phrase. Like I don't, you know, didn't see any actual evidence of that. And uh, they're probably as far back as Donegal Armon right now. But uh, the only thing they could possibly hang their their hat on and say, well, we we know how to play them. Is the last couple of times they have played them in the league, they have drawn with them. So. Uh, if they were to take those games and use them as barometers, they're not that far off. So moving on from Tyrone and the fourth Ulster team in Division 1 is, of course, uh, Cavan, who suffer relegation with four points on the board. Um, Declan, the outside view, you know, I suppose everybody expected Cavan to be relegated. A couple of glimmers of hope when they beat Mayo and drew with Kerry, but it's no real surprise, I suppose, to the rest of Ulster, the Cavan are the team going down. Yeah, I mean, if you were to say at the start of the year, who do you think will go down? You know, you've been picking perhaps Cavan and Roscommon, and I think it would be very kind of unfair of people to say, you know what, Cavan weren't good enough for that division. There are certain things that Cavan uh, can be held in account for, and one of them, one of the main things is, you know, Matty McLean took on that team. And like anything else, it takes time to get used to a bunch of individuals. To be getting used to a bunch of individuals who are heading into a National League Division One campaign is just the stress he was under, the time constraints, everything else. Like you know, uh, I had a felt that it was all against him. Like that was a bit of a poison chalice, at least for the opening few months of the job. Uh, Calvin will be judged on what they do next year in terms of league football. Uh, they still have a they still have a, a championship campaign that they can get plenty out of. And why not aspire towards an Ulster title? Absolutely, you know that that's what they've been doing for the last number of years. And it is time they actually started. You know, they could certainly make an Ulster final this year. Um, but in terms of the actual league campaign, what they get out of it? Perhaps they're too hesitant at the start. Uh, the game of Castle Blaney gave us a wee bit of an idea that you know what they're going to bring enough firepower that they're going to bring enough at least grit that they would you know get something out of some of the games. But it, it would appear they just kind of left it a bit too late. Yeah, it definitely did all right. Although Paul, from a Calvin point of view, the, the, the Roscommon performance was 
was probably the most disappointing. Donegal, you knew there was something about them all right when they came to Kingston Breffney Park, but over in the hide, Cavan looked like they were lacklustre. Maybe too many changes on the team. Yeah, speaking of the hide, it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for Cavan in this league because um, I just wanted to use that line there. Sorry, Damien. Tied you up perfectly for that one. <laughs> I'll tell you something that, that hasn't, has been overlooked a little bit with Cavan this year. Their free taking has been poor. And we have, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in Ulster in Raymond Galligan. Brilliant kickouts, absolutely phenomenal kickouts, unbelievably solid under a high ball. Like he's got he's got glue on his hands when a high ball comes in. But his kick he he's been brought out to take frees and his frees have been poor and there's no point saying different. He he has missed quite a lot of frees and forty fives. And it's costing Cavan in, in, in these tight games. Like they lost by by three points to, to Roscommon. Ray missed three frees. I'm not saying it was his fault, but you know, a team needs a good free taker. You know, there's certain boxes that you have to take. One of them is is having a good goalkeeper. Nobody wins anything without a very good goalkeeper. But and the other one is free a free taker. Even Dublin carry a, a player for frees. I know Dean Rock's game has improved a lot. His all round game, but for a while there, like his main contribution was from dead balls. Cavan are missing those frees, and uh, it brings us back to something we were talking about off air. How how I think it's only a GA phenomenon that every team or most teams will copy the team that's winning and that goes back right back to early morning training with Gerald Nan in 1995 with Clare so he had them out training at the crack it on and the reason for that was it was the hottest summer in, in 45 years in 95 people and it was forgot that fact people forgot that fact but it just it was too hot to train in the afternoon with that intense uh, style of hurling that they were doing so they started training in the mornings it's absolutely laughable when you think that other teams copied them in cold summers you know, you had Joe Kernan bringing our man at foreign training camp in 2002 and they won the All-Ireland. Now it's absolutely de rigueur. Teams won't go into a championship. They think they're missing something without their, their foreign training camp. So it, these, these things are funny. But the thing of bringing a goalkeeper out to take 45s and, and long-range frees, I was telling you off-air, Damien, that I was at a reserve league final in Cavan a couple of years ago and a team brought a go- They actually won the game, but they brought a goalkeeper up. He took six kicks and he put the six of them wide. If that was any other... Uh, free taker in any other position on the field he'd been taken off the freeze after the fourth or fifth one you'd imagine so I, th- I think there's a there's a lot of that um, just copying it's the top team Declan is still going on though because I heard reports from the, the Monaghan Dublin game and Rory Began wasn't quite that accurate um, from his from his long range kicking as well you know at, at what stage do do the fads disintegrate in, in, in Gaelic football where we realise that actually you know although everybody is copying Dublin Dublin have stopped doing this a long time ago that's only because they have one of the most accurate place kickers in the game you got to remember that I mean that's well and good for Dublin to do it because they've got Dean Rock who's just before the All-Ireland final I think the stats were up Paul's a great man for number crunching but early 90s definitely in terms of conversion rate uh, I know that that, that, that that Stephen Cluxton probably was the one who started it, and then other teams were were looking at desperately looking for a goalkeeper to, to provide um, you know, the answer to everything. And Paul said about a goalkeeper missing six in a row. That's exactly what happened to Neil Morgan up in two thousand and thirteen in Bally Buffet when he was brought. And uh, one of the problems I think if if you're going to do it for the long range ones, and if a goalkeeper, I mean Morgan missed was six that day he scored one and started fist pumping I think it was his second attempt Big he scored mistake. that one started fist pumping on his way back down to the goal and then is he, he just fell to pieces but when there was an easier chance from 30 metres out uh, instead of bringing him up let him take that and let him get his confidence up but Sean Cavanaugh waved him down and took it himself uh, 
Is it a fad? Well, I don't think so because I mean, you, you get cer- certain skill sets, and goalkeeping is completely different than an outfield player. Uh, and if you're used to kicking a ball at distance to a certain, you know, space in the pitch, then it only stands to reason that an awful you're basically a place kicker. And why wouldn't you come forward and take those shots? If Rory Began or Neil Morgan or whoever else misses a shot now, it's nearly seen as um, missing two shots. You know. It, People just can't say it. They, oh, they get very animated if a goalkeeper misses one. Rather than but is that is that Declan because it takes so long for a goalkeeper to come up that you know it, it's delaying the game? Supporters get anxious. Or supporters want action. They want to see constant uh, action. People, people, Damien. People just don't like change. Like, you know, people are at the end of the day, like the GA people, especially are just ultra-conservative uh, traditionalists and for the most part. I mean, we've had a, a game going from like you know, the inception of Gaelic football for over 100 years that had no real tactical evolution whatsoever. It was basically you stand here and you stand here and everyone just fights for the ball when it comes to their corner. Like, you know what I mean? So we're getting an insight into, the, into Fermanagh football here, lads. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep... You know, but... But you're right. You're dead right. Resent change like that. They're are, are, are fresh thinking. I mean, you know, Joe Kiernan dropping Tony McIntyre as a sweeper for Cross McLean uh, in the mid nineties at club football. Like you know, this is the sort of thing that happened in, in the revisionism. Like they hear at Cross McLean went fifteen on fifteen and played man for man all the time. Like that's not true. Like you know, we bits and pieces of, of football and tactics have developed, and people nearly lose their head completely about it. Yeah, which which from well, I I'd, I'd consider that a disappointment because it's good to see the game evolve and that it means I, I personally think it's it's getting better, it's getting faster, but not everybody agrees. Well, there's a different skill. Uh, I have to just pull you up on that, Declan. It's a different skill kicking a kicking a free um, as it is kicking kicking a kick out for a simple reason that with a kick out you're hitting a moving target at times. You're kicking off a tee. You're kicking from all different angles on the side, or sorry, with a free, you're kicking, you're kicking at all different yeah, angles on the side. Yeah, you're kicking two all different angles from a kick Yeah, you know, how often? How often do you ask a, a goalkeeper to kick a ball out? It has to be over a certain height at a certain point. You know, they're aiming sometimes put it in the chest. They're not always aiming. It's not the exact uh, replicable skill. No, but it's very yeah. close. Yeah, it is. It is. It is close. But I, well, I'm making the point that it's it's close. But if a player's missing, missing yeah. fifteen or sixteen of them in a league campaign. You need to make a change. Yeah, yeah. I think I yeah. think we'll, uh, we'll we'll agree to park that one because there's difference of opinion here, which is always good. Um, but when we we, we started that one about uh, Cavan and just to bring it back, I caught up with Matty Midlinen after the defeat in Doctor Hyde Park to Roscommon. Yeah, we've had enough chances in that half. You know, we've had three three points for the second half. That's not even close to being good enough for Division 1 football. You don't deserve to stay in Division 1 football having three scores. You know, I'm not sure how many wides we had, but we had at least two or three into the goalkeeper's hands and we must have at least another five or six wides. And, you know, we can do a lot of things, but it takes takes a man to work on his own, to work on a scoring practice. And that's an area we seriously have to address between free kicks, between shot selection today. It wasn't good enough. And, listen, that's why we are in Division 2 next year. Yeah, you mentioned free kicks in the second half. I make it seven wides. Three of them coming from free kicks. It's, it is an area that top teams they don't miss scoreable frees. You can't miss anything at this level. You know, for three scores, as I say, if we'd have got eight scores in the second half, we'd have won the game. And that's that's the reality check that we're at. We're with an average of eleven the whole way through the national league, and we have eleven scores today. And the, the, listen, going into the Ulster Championship, eleven scores isn't going to win you. 
football matches. You have to target that there. But we have eight weeks. Listen, if you'd have said to me at the start of the year that you know you'd be sitting on four points going into the last day and you've a shot of staying up in the, in the in Division One, you know, I'd have took your arm off. People give us absolutely no chance. So it's been a fabulous six weeks. We'll take a lot from that there, and you know, we, we look at what we need to improve on into the championship. Crucial calls during the game. The full forward Carl Crampton or Compton. It looked like an absolute definite black card in the first half, and then Connor Madden's black card. I know you were very close to it. It, it looked extremely harsh, and and Cavan haven't used six subs at that stage. It left a really big uphill battle. Well, there was what three minutes to go at that stage, so I think at that point, you know, at the end of the day, probably the game the game was up. I felt certainly yes, Cahill Compton maybe should have got got a black card earlier in the game. But listen, that's football matches. I've the referees no issue that they are. Cavan had the win of the football match. It, it was ours. Let's let's first and foremost look at ourselves. Our performance in the second half wasn't good enough. Yeah, you know we got ourselves into good positions to score, and it was always a foot wide or a foot short or stopping into the goalkeeper's hands. You know that's something we have to address. Sixteen scores is the target for the championship. If you have that, then you've got a final chance. Yeah, so the next eight weeks, as you say, eight or nine weeks until championship. What do you do? How do you get the confidence back up again? I wouldn't say it's not a, it's not a confidence thing. I actually think it's it's probably in hindsight, but it's, it's going to be a good thing because you know if we'd have won the day, you know we'd probably been bouncing too much. Now we keep our head down. Now we've got to work, look at what we have to learn, learn from our mistakes today, and we've got to fix it. And that's simply it. So from that end of things, the euphoria of the last few weeks in Cavan was fantastic, and it was a great bounce to see people. But now we keep our feet down. You know, Ross Common bring us down to earth, and they'll keep our feet on the ground, and we we'll get ready for Monaghan or for Mana. Yeah, we see just before I let you go, Shani Johnson is wearing a boot. Is that a long-term issue, or could he be back for a championship? Oh no, that's the reason why we sort of had to make a decision. Do we? Uh, do we do, do, do we work on his ankle now last week immediately after the Kerry game or do we leave it for another week and then we lose another, he loses another fortnight to training later on so no listen we just made a decision to get him get him sorted now in terms of his ankle and that means hopefully we'll have him back in a couple of weeks time and that'll be him ready to get prepared for championship so that was Cavan manager Matty Midlean and that uh, brings division one to a wrap looking into division two very briefly Declan um, the Ulster teams propping up the bottom of that division Fermanagh and Derry both being relegated and down surviving by the skin of their teeth with a, a last minute point getting a drawdown in Cork which sent Derry down despite their um, their last minute win in Brewster Park Yeah um, a frantic division too from start to finish Fermanagh beat do- uh, down by 16 points was it on the opening night in Derry then Meath coming to Newry and down get their first win just by running straight at them and drawing free after free after free. And then when you think, well, Meath mustn't be up to much, uh, Fermanagh travel down to Meath and get beaten by 18 points, uh, a record defeat for them over the last number of years. It's just a mad, mad league. You know, one of those ones that Derry produced a, a massive result at Celtic Park up against Meath and Derry then couldn't buy a win and, and, and uh, they conceded the most goals bar awfully uh, of all the teams going into the last round of the league fixtures Fermanagh actually overtook them on that stat then in by the conceding two um, it's just a crazy crazy division um, there, there was no real accounting for how teams could go for being so full of energy and form one week to being extremely flat and getting whipped the following week uh, down it's just amazing how you know Jerome Johnson was never known as a man that would kick freeze, never mind fifties, and stuck one over. 
yeah. at the very end the goal keep them up the goalkeeper must have been injured was he <laughs> yeah because Michael Cunningham had been taking some of them I think uh, earlier on in the league campaign so um well, Down must have figured it out, so now everybody else will be following them. No, no, no. But um, <laughs> Down, Down for sure. Uh, I don't know about them. Like they know that, are they even? You know they, they will have loved to have kept themselves into Division Two. Uh, whether they ultimately will achieve anything in the championship, or whether they think that things are going in the right direction, I don't know. Derry certainly. Uh, and you're going to just accuse me of hometown uh, being Bias. a homer here, but like Fermanagh were comfortably a better side than them and were unbelievably uh, sloppy and conceding the two goals that they did to them. Uh, and you'd have just De- thought on the balance of De- play De- when, 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 you, enough. when you bring up the goals, I, I was just looking through the stats, um, the tables before we came on air, and, and Fermanagh conceded 12 goals and 84 points in the league this year. Now, what I seen uh-huh. of Fermanagh last year... The one thing you could rely on was that defensively they were strong, they were set up exceptionally well, they were very hard to break down, and especially in Brewster Park, where you know it's a tight field, there's not a lot of you know, not a lot of space. But I I think that they conceded um, what did they concede like three three goals, four goals at home in in Brewster Park or more this year. Yeah, um, the, the, their their defence was was failing them. All year long, I don't know why that was. Other than you know, you, you can point to the fact that Neil Cassidy was a man marker, retired over the mm. winter. Marty O'Brien was a man who, from time to time, would be given those kind of roles. But his great strength was in galloping upfield and joining attacks. But he was a great defender too. Damien Kelly was another one that would slot in anywhere around the midfield half forward or half back line. Uh, and an extremely steady fella who always got on the ball and never lost it. And they've those you take those three defenders out of a team, and you put in boys who are largely unproven. Like you know, there's there, some boys who've had the. Fermanagh would have a certain amount of defenders that would be established, but you know, if you have to replace them or send on subs and kind of raw fellas that you know haven't been about the panel long, then you're really going to struggle. I mean that. Nothing showed that up like it did on Sunday. Pete McGrath took off Declan McCusker, who had hit two screamers with the outside of the right from the right wing in the second half from wing back, and it was like, get, you know, get the ball to Declan McCusker, he's kicking the scores. Instead, Declan McCusker comes off, young McGovern comes on in his place, uh, and very young, very, very new to it, gave away a couple of balls in succession. Patrick Rehill came on as well, another wing back, and uh, ended up getting black carded. Um, no real contribution. Only that, only a, he swung a ball and hit a desperate wide towards the end when they needed composure. So you know, possibly losing those three defenders from Anna were always going to struggle. They probably didn't think of leaving Yuri that night. They were possibly thinking towards promotion, but that's how it's ended. And uh, unfortunately, that's probably Pete McGrath's last league game with them. I can't see him coming back after championship, whatever way it turns out from this year. Yeah, it's a shame that it finishes. Well, if it does finish, that it would finish on a low because last year it looked like Fermanagh had made great progress. You know, Paul, and, and the year before, 2015, 16. You know, Fermanagh looked like a, a formidable outfit. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule them out um, in Championship just yet. I think they're they did make strides, and um, I'm very surprised to see the way it went for them in the league after after the first two games. I would have backed them to go up because I thought they had momentum and the whole team was playing for the manager. And if it is if it is um, going to be Pete McGrath's last year, 
it'll be a shame I think because I think Pete McGrath is one of the great gentlemen of the GA. you know he's contributed an awful lot he he did a great job with Fermanagh. Um, mm. He probably should have been should have shouldn't have been overlooked in his own county because his record is, is second to none. Really, is f- phenomenal. Um, what he has achieved in football at all levels, from schools right through underage, right up to, to senior intercounty football, is phenomenal. And he's a young man. He's younger than Mickey Hart. I think I'm right in saying that, Declan. Uh, it's one of my favourite stats is that Pete McGrath is a year younger than Mickey Hart. Yeah, yeah. He was only 37 when he won his first All Ireland as a manager, 1981. Phenomenal, I better spit and mistake then. So look at looking at Derry, like Derry, it's been a fall from grace in, in a few short years. Division One League Final a couple of years, well, sorry, a few years back against against Dublin, um, and now going down to Division Three, like that. That's something you'd never expect, Paul. No, one thing about Derry is that their league form was always pretty solid. They were in Division One for for the longest time, doing pretty well. Get got to a couple of finals. Run of the dubs pretty close on the night that was the death of Gaelic football, as Jared Bournes tweeted. You know that's not not too long ago. Now they're going to be playing Division Three, which is really astonishing for for a strong football county. You know when you list out the strongest football counties in the country, there you're going to be going to be well up the list. And you've got other other teams above them who who don't have near the pedigree that Derry have. But that's the way it goes. I I, I have no idea what has gone wrong with Derry. I know they beat Cavan three times last year. Um, and produce a certain type of player again it goes back to that thing I was talking about about the football culture is different in every county some counties it might be only marginally different but as you as you journey around the country you'll find differences there's something about Derry where they can produce these this type of player big strong rangy forward they seem to have them in abundance whereas in Cavan that's the kind of player we can't produce maybe Derry are, lack, are not producing the type of player that's suited to the modern game maybe they're not producing these high energy players you know with, with serious stamina I don't know what it is maybe it's nothing to do with that at all but it's a mystery they should be doing better than they are they definitely should moving on I suppose Declan to Division 3 briefly because we're running out of time here Armagh promotion snatched from them with a with a late goal in uh, in, in the athletic grounds you know Kieran McGinney as term it, it'll be it'll be looked upon as a major disappointment in the Orchard County yeah, he got a five-year term. Um, the year four of that will be starting in Division Three in two thousand and eighteen. And uh, but ask yourself, like, what are they doing? Are they going? Is there any kind of direction here to this project? Um, clearly not. It, they're not making any progress. Uh, and like Charlie Vernon made a point that you know, Kieran McGinney asked in an early meeting, how many of you boys have actually played senior intercounty? And he says very few hands actually went up. And he says when you're a part of an intercounty squad, you don't really notice that year on year the turnover of players. Um, our mass problem is is there's a desperate lack of discipline. I don't know how many red cards that some of their players rack up, and some of them, some of the more experienced heads, lads that would be given positions of responsibility in the team that have a dreadful record of just picking up red cards. Totally unnecessary. But even discipline goes deeper than that because discipline means uh, decision-making at crucial points in a game. And Armagh have really suffered from that. They, you know, they collapsed in their first couple of games against Leash and Sligo uh, and where they you know, should have had two wins. They ended up having a draw and a loss. And that has cost them. It's not, a, a, you know, yeah. you can talk about Michael Quinn living school at the end, but it is just that last few minutes, that con- concentration, that, that need to see a game through. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a difficult one. Just very briefly before we let you go, Antrim back down to Division 4. It, it, it was always going to be difficult for Antrim, you know, but you'd have, uh, they, they will be disappointed with relegation. They have to be. Um, 
it's not for a lack of, of work that you know Frankie Fitzsimmons Rhodes Islands puts in an Antrim and they're sort of um, you know the, I don't know if, if if they would even want your pity or anything as a county like because they are making huge efforts at all levels and at all areas of it like administration coaching capital development they've got a Dunsilly project that's well underway they've got all the pitches they're training there for the summer uh, it just isn't coming together for them well I, I don't know the underlying reasons for that like is there there's a sort of a breakup of St Gaul's uh, domination of it that might help to reduce a bit more you know the Cargan have won the last couple of uh, Antrim titles there. Maybe a more competitive uh, um, domestic championship might help them along. But it, this is now, again, like Frankie Fitzsimmons isn't in his first year either. Uh, he's been there for a couple of years. He's had Garoge, this is his second year in as a joint manager. Brian McGee, in, the former boxer, in as the second year strength conditioning. You know, so at some point, like you know, there has to be some kind of an upward curve. And if there's not, then you just say, well, you know what? Maybe they're just not good enough. Yeah, or maybe just time to change tact on it. Okay, so now it's time for the lighter part of the show. It's called the good, the bad, and the ugly, where we look back on the lighter side of the game. Bally Bay for drinking tea. Monaghan drinks brandy, and Castle Blaney beats them all. Great sugary candy. Let me tell you, in Galway last week, I tipped this one to the whole world. And there's one thing about Brady, he tells you people, and I'll tell you why. Yous are my people. No toffee knows about me. Oh, boy! Maybe we'll start off with the, uh, with, with the bad, where... It was disappointing from Armagh's point of view for Michael Quinlivan's uh, goal up in the athletic grounds, Paul. Yeah, I don't think if there's any listeners in Armagh, they won't see. They think this was the lighter side of the game. It's probably the heartbreaking side of the game. But um, yeah, it was a classic smash and grab, uh, which you, which you see every now and then. Not as common as it used to be because teams are that little bit more cynical now and they don't let this happen, but it's criminal when it happens. Yeah, and, and, and the lighter side we mean is that the reaction you can hear from the crowd in this coming clip is uh, it, it, it shows shows the passion that's in Armagh. Yeah, what happened quickly before you play the clip was Armagh were winning, they were heading for a promotion to Division 2, everything was going great, and a ball broke on the defence, tip came racing out with it, um, a couple of hand passes, the ball ended up with Michael Quinlivan, and the rest is history. So that's the bad time for the good, and I suppose from an Ulster point of view, it's very hard to look past Jack McCarran's display against Dublin. One goal and nine points, one goal and five from open play. People were crying out for a, a Monaghan forward to help out poor Conor McManus. They're going to be crying out for Conor McManus to help out poor Jack McCarran soon. Jack McCarran, he's had a brilliant league campaign. That's a lovely score. Jack McCarran. McCarran runs straight into Philly McMahon. The point stand. It's Owen Duffy. Can they get in for a goal? Jack McCarran. Chances in the back of the net from Jack McCarran. McCarran has been brilliant all through. Jack McCarran. Right foot, left foot. He can do no wrong. Jack McCarran. A goal and seven now. Duffy can go left or right. He goes out to McCarran, and McCarran slots it over. 
Yeah, well, I have a story about Jack McCarran. Um I, I don't know the fellow personally, I never met him, but he's a cousin of Dick Clerkin, uh, as you probably know. We first, won't hold that first cousin. Well, <laughs> uh, but I went to the national school in, in Scots House for one year in, in sixth class, which was which is Dick and Jack's stomping ground. The local club is Corn, and my local club is Red Hills, which is just across the county boundary in Cavan. And when I was in sixth class in St. Endes in Scots House, uh, Jack and his dad used to go down and kick in football. The football pitch is just behind the school. And I remember looking down, and so that would have been 1996, I think. And I, so Jack, I don't know, Jack is maybe 23, 22, 23. Jack was about three, I think, and he could kick the ball over the bar from the 21. And I remember watching him, and we were saying, this guy is going to be a superstar. Some of us couldn't do it. And we were, we were 12. Still can't do it. <laughs> Still can't do it. And I, I followed his progress since that. He had an awful run with injuries. Always had, had the quality. Had an awful run with injuries, but it's brilliant to see him back. Like He's, he's shown what he can do, and this lad could be another Conor McManus. So well done to Jack McCarron there. Wonderful display against the Dubs. And I suppose to finish off our segment the good the bad and the ugly uh, time for the ugly and it's not because he's ugly it's because people don't see in the press box they hear on the way home from all of the uh, all of the, the National League games they hear all of these post-match reports and they think that the uh, journalists and, and the commentators just sit down and rhyme off something but there's an awful lot of work goes in behind it especially if you're Mickey Brennan disappointed by the manner of this defeat. Cavan played Tony oh, Smith with an exquisite piece of skill and Conor Deveni and Dermot Murta. Cavan had the final whistle ah oh, fucking hell Ash to the net but from there to the long whistle they played second fiddle as the Rossies held to them oh you fuck Donny Smith with an exquisite piece of skill, Conor Devaney and Dermot Murta. Calvin had the final say of the first half when, oh, God of Almighty, Dylan and defender Kieran Brady. The Blues kept Roscommon at arm's length for the following 10 minutes, establishing a seven. Ah, no, Jesus Christ, Mickey. That was Mickey. Friend, friend won't thank us for that, David. <laughs> he definitely won't. He struggles a wee bit with with the match reports, as you can hear from that. He'd be raging because I loaned him my my dictaphone to to record it, <laughs> and when I looked at it today, there was five or six files on it, and I was like, "What are what are all these files?" And then I realised it was Brennan's attempt to to read. Absolutely brilliant. I love that, and and, and Mickey will absolutely be delighted with that. I'm sure. That was the good, the bad and the ugly uh, and that's the end of our We Are Ulster GA podcast. Our thanks to Declan Bogue and to Paul Fitzpatrick for their contributions and of course to Brendan Deveni and Matty Midlean. And lads, thanks a million for, uh, for your contributions. No bother, David. Thank you, David. Thanks very much for listening to the We Are Ulster GA podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at We Are Ulster and on Facebook also at We Are Ulster and uh, tune in every week for the latest stories from around the province it's the equaliser Peter Canavan this inspiring figure of Toronto oh god it's desperate god the mountains is brave and close now right enough oh god it's wild time of the snow alright and the next ball comes in I grabs Tommy by the balls and I squeeze him 